Welcome to the Ryan Express. I am Ryan Walker. Today's date is Monday, August 10th, 2020. And despite fears and rumors swirling, Major League Baseball is still going on. So let's get right into a news recap of the past 10 days. This is Express Line 2, a recap of Major League Baseball from Monday, July 27th, 2020 through Sunday, August 9th, 2020. Let's get started. And we start with the biggest story of the past 10 days as it involves this global pandemic that we've gone through throughout all of 2020, and that would be the St. Louis Cardinals, who had 13 players test positive for COVID-19. The miniature team outbreak has postponed games against the Brewers, the Tigers, the Cubs, and this week's series versus the Pirates. Currently, the next game the Cardinals could play is versus Detroit on Thursday. The last game they played was a shutout loss to the Twins on July 29th, and the Cardinals remain at 2-3 on the season. Another team that has experienced an outbreak was the Miami Marlins, who actually returned to action Tuesday from their miniature outbreak of COVID-19. They swept the Orioles in a four-game series before losing 2-3 of to the New York Mets. The Marlins, at 7-3 on the season, still hold a playoff spot and the top winning percentage in the National League East. Their next matchup is in Buffalo, New York, versus the Blue Jays, serving as the first Major League Baseball game to be played in Buffalo since 1916. The Marlins do not play their first home game in Miami until Friday when they host the Braves. In other news, the Houston Astros continue to reel in negativity from rivals following the cheating investigation from last offseason. The Los Angeles Dodgers and reliever Joe Kelly threw at the Astros hitters, made pouting faces, and was involved in a benches-clearing incident. The Dodgers, however, swept the Astros in the series, but Kelly was given an eight-game suspension. Then, in a weekend series between the Oakland Athletics and the Houston Astros, Ramon Laureano charged the Astros dugout after being hit by a pitch late in the game. The A's also swept the Astros. Suspensions have not yet been issued for the incident between the Astros and the A's. The A's are at 12-4, while the Astros are at 6-9, currently out of a playoff spot. A streaky season continues on the south side of Chicago. After starting the season 1-4, the Chicago White Sox put up six straight wins to move into a playoff spot. However, the Sox are 1-4 since and currently sit 
fourth in the American League Central Division. Down in Los Angeles last week, the Angels announced that two-way player Shohei Otani will not be able to pitch again this season. A forearm injury will prevent him from throwing for at least four weeks. He can, however, still DH. However, even with Otani, Trout, and Rendon all in the lineup, the Angels were swept by the Texas Rangers over the weekend and now hold the worst record in the American League. Up in the U.S. Capitol, the defending world champion Washington Nationals continue to struggle early here in 2020. At 4-7, the Nats have yet to win a series and sit in last place in the National League East. Some saving grace for the Washington Nationals has been Juan Soto's return from a positive COVID-19 test. Soto is batting 357 since returning. Meanwhile, the Nationals' opening day opponents, the New York Yankees, dropped 3 of 4 to Tampa Bay over the weekend. The series proved to hurt more than just New York's record, as Giancarlo Stanton was placed on the 10-day IL on Sunday. New York is 10-6 and and still hold the lead atop the AL East by two games over Tampa Bay despite the series' loss. Out in the mountains, the Rockies continue to be baseball's biggest surprise in 2020. The Rocks have won every series they have played, including a sweep of the first place, Oakland Athletics, and two of three versus the very trendy San Diego Padres. The Rockies continue to duel with the Dodgers for first place in the National League West, with the Padres just trailing behind. Another team that has not lost a series to date is the Chicago Cubs, who jumped to third in the Ryan Express Power Rankings' last rankings. The Cubs have not played a team that currently owns a winning record, but they will this week when they visit the 10-7 Cleveland Indians in a rematch of the historic 2016 World Series. It will be Lester versus Clevenger in Game 1 and Hendricks versus Carrasco in the short two-game series. And finally, in the American League Central, the Minnesota Twins have lost four in a row, making for a very tight division race, the tightest in all of baseball, as the Tigers and Indians are only half a game out, while the Royals, despite a sweep of the Twins, occupy last place, but are only still three and a half games out. The White Sox fit in the middle at two games out. All right, so first let's talk about this whole situation with the St. Louis Cardinals that we have going on right now. The Cardinals have had many games postponed. They've only played five to this point. They're really starting to fall behind to a point really where I don't think they can catch up. The Marlins, it seemed like there was quick enough of a turnaround that they at least can have a grueling schedule in September and catch up for the most part. The Marlins are going to play 14 games in 10 days from September 11th through September 20th, 
and that's really where going to be where they catch up for the most part. But they only had six games canceled during their outbreak. But the Cardinals, on the other hand, have two weeks of no baseball. So they have more than double the games postponed or canceled that the Marlins had. So you think the 14 games in 10 days is bad for the Marlins? Think about what it would be like if the Cardinals tried to make up all those games. It's just not going to happen. This is why Major League Baseball implemented the expanded playoffs, because they wanted to account for things like this, where the Cardinals are not going to get the opportunity to win those games and up that winning percentage, so they're going to take more teams in. I think it's good that Major League Baseball is paying attention to the player safety as much as they are, and also considering the sample size implications of some of the decisions they're making about postponing games. So at least in that regard, I think the Cardinals are safe. We're still keeping them in the top 16 in the power rankings because they are still a good team, and especially when they get healthy, they're going to give it a run. So let's transition to the Marlins. The big topic of debate on Twitter, at Carter Bird. Um, the Marlins... The Marlins have had so much stacked against them, right? They they came in, they were the worst team in the National League in 2019 with only 57 wins, and they come in to 2020, they have the first outbreak in Major League Baseball, they get a whole week of games postponed, almost six games, and then they have to replace half their team, which half of a team that was already bad, They have to replace with guys who have never played in the major leagues before and they have to do a whole bunch of waiver claims and all sorts of stuff to try to get players just to take the field. And oh, by the way, let's not mention the schedule. You know, they have to play the geographic schedule now in 2020 because that's the way things are. You have to play the Yankees. You have to play the defending champion Washington Nationals. You get the Mets with that pitching rotation with Syndergaard, DeGrom, Stroman. And then you get the... Braves, who are also really good and are definitely going to make the playoffs, and you're just thinking, no way for the Marlins to make it, right? And then opening day rolls around, and the Marlins play the Phillies. And the Phillies, you know, they had high expectations coming in. They just got Joe Girardi, right? They signed a big deal to Bryce Harper. They're still waiting for that to pay off with the playoff appearance. And they come up against the Marlins, and Sandy Alcantara's balling out, right? Six and two-thirds innings, three hits, one run, seven strikeouts. And Sandy Alcantara pretty much wins the game for him, five to two, opening day win. That was why I picked the Marlins to win on opening day, because I knew that Sandy Alcantara could easily outpitch Aaron Nola. Sorry, Phillies fans, that's just the way it is. He's always been a really good player, if he can get some run support, and he just happened to on opening day. So the Marlins start 1-0. Then they take, they take the big 7-1 loss in Game 2, and you're thinking, all right, the Marlins are back, just like 2019. But they don't take the series loss. They bounce back. They score 11 on Sunday and beat the Phillies in 2-3 of three to start the season. And then you're starting to wonder, well, okay, the Marlins scored a total of 17 runs in that series do they have offense like that or are the Phillies just not as good as the expectations like usual 
So then the outbreak happens. They lose half their team, including Alcantara. And you're just thinking, okay, there's no way for the Marlins to come back. But Derek Jeter works his tail off. He puts together this little Island of Misfit toys. And then they go to Baltimore and they win four straight, three of which were one-run wins, which doesn't say much when you're playing the Orioles. But it's still four wins. And they go in six and one to play New York, where they win the first game and lose the next two, finishing now today at 7-3. and three. So basically, I make the comparison on Twitter to the Miami Marlins and the Arkansas Razorbacks who got a 10-game SEC schedule that was absolutely brutal. And I said, well, if Arkansas started off 2-0, that'd kind of be what the Marlins have done because the Marlins have this awful schedule and not a good team going in anyways and have somehow started off really hot. And so Carter responds to me and basically says, hey, the, the Marlins are not a good team and the, the water will all level out eventually and, and they'll, they'll find their place at the bottom of the, of the standings by the time it's all, all said and done. And I, I agree with him, actually. I, I do really think that the Marlins are not that good of a team. And if, if you need any proof of that, all you need to know is, well, they, they were horrible last year and, and they lost half of that team that was horrible last year and replaced it with guys that haven't played in major leagues before. But what year is it? It's 2020 and weird things happen in 2020, including Major League Baseball schedule, which happens to be 60 games. So at the end of the day, I do agree with Carter. 10 games is not a good enough sample size to determine how good a team really is. But neither is 60 games, and that's why we have the expanded playoffs as it is. And in 2020, anyone can slip into one of those expanded playoff spots and maybe play spoiler, including the Marlins. So this begs the question, which team that was horrible last year has gotten off to a hot start this year has been the most surprising? And you might be hard-pressed to say a team like the Marlins who are 7 and 3, the Orioles who are 7 and 7 in third place in the AL East, or the Rockies at 11 and 4 in first place in the NL West barely holding a half game lead over the Dodgers. But I'm going to go a different route and I'm going to say the Detroit Tigers at 9 and 5, half a game out of Minnesota in the AL Central are the most surprising team. And I really arrive at this conclusion by process of elimination. The Colorado Rockies, although they may have the best record of all these teams, really were not that much of a surprise to me because we knew that they had players that can hit and they're playing in a ballpark that will yield a lot of big hits, Coors Field. We've all seen over the past few years what Charlie Blackman can do, what Trevor Story can do, and we know how good David Dahl's been since he was a high schooler at Oak Mountain in Birmingham right up the road from Auburn. So it's not a big surprise to me that the Rockies are executing and winning games at this point. The Orioles, on the other hand, are at 500, but that isn't that surprising for a 14-game sample size. The Orioles obviously are not good enough of a team to be at 500, but it would have been a little more surprising if they could have split that four-game series with Miami. That would put them at 9-5, and five making it a little bit more surprising of a record as they start to be challenging New York for the American League East title. 
What makes both the Tigers and the Marlins interesting is that they've both beaten the teams they're supposed to beat at this point, and now we get to figure out how good they really are as they start to play some better teams down the stretch. The Tigers have the White Sox Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, followed by St. Louis, if St. Louis can play, and then Cleveland, the White Sox again, and Cleveland again. So that's a pretty brutal stretch for the next couple weeks. We're really going to see what the Tigers are made of. One interesting note about the Tigers that I did hear today was that Casey Mize could be called up to pitch in the major leagues this season. And if he does so, there is potential that he will satisfy the requirements to win Rookie of the Year this year and next year. Of course, the former Auburn Tiger was the number one overall draft pick and is highly regarded as one of the best prospects that has yet to make his major league debut in baseball. So it will be really interesting to see if Casey Mize can come up and pitch for the Tigers as they start to play these better teams. The traditional requirement for Rookie of the Year, if you're a pitcher, is 50 innings pitched for the season. However, with the shortened season this year, those traditional rules have kind of gone out the window, and we're not entirely sure how Rookie of the Year will be determined this season. But if he pitches under 50 innings and can still put up numbers good enough to win a Rookie of the Year trophy, he could potentially pitch the 50 innings next year and compete for the trophy both years. So it could be a really interesting feat that could behold one of our own Auburn Tigers. And I'd like to conclude the show today by talking about the American League West. The Oakland Athletics have been absolutely dominant by winning nine in a row, including three against the Mariners, three against the Rangers, and three against the Astros. This key winning streak, all coming against division rivals, is really going to be important when it comes to the standings later down the road when some of these teams start to heat up. The Rangers obviously have been underperforming considering their pitching staff and hitting that they have. The Astros, meanwhile, are absolutely spiraling out of control right now, and you have to think that they aren't going to be like that all season. Now the Oakland Athletics get to visit Los Angeles, where they take on the Angels, who are actually the worst team in the American League right now, despite having Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, and Anthony Rendon on their team. And it really begs the question, how valuable are players like that when you're the worst team in the American League? The Angels went to Texas and took on a Rangers team that was 3-8 and eight going into the series. And they got swept by a Rangers team that was really struggling to produce offensively. So the debate around Mike Trout really continues when it comes to most valuable player. How valuable is a guy that is statistically producing on levels we've never seen before, but has yet to win a playoff game? He has finished top five in MVP voting every season he's been in the major leagues outside of his debut season in 2011, but yet he has yet to win a playoff game. So how valuable is he to the Angels really when all he's doing is winning regular season games and selling t-shirts? You know, it's pretty ironic now that the Athletics are playing the Angels because they're on polar opposite ends when it comes to this particular philosophy in baseball. You have the Athletics, who were literally the team behind Moneyball, the movement, the thing that changed baseball forever. And on the other side, you have the Angels, a team that regularly, consistently puts all their eggs in one basket. I mean, you're paying Mike Trout so much money that you cannot get a pitching staff 
And then instead of getting a pitching staff when you actually do have the dough to go get one, you invest it all in Anthony Rendon, right? Or Shohei Otani, or throwback to the early 2010s when they went and got Josh Hamilton after the Rangers had been to the World Series for a couple of years. That's always been the Angels' motto is just invest a ton of money into guys that are big superstars, but then they consistently, consistently, consistently do not make the playoffs. So how valuable are those players really when they're just sucking all your money out and you're not able to invest in a good, well-rounded team that's going to make the playoffs and actually compete for a title for once? So perhaps, statistically, Mike Trout is actually the best player in baseball, the most valuable player in baseball. But from a monetary, from an economic standpoint, he's not that valuable. You'd much rather have Matt Chapman on your team than Mike Trout if the Oakland Athletics are the team instead of the Los Angeles Angels because you'd rather be in the playoffs even in expanded playoffs, it doesn't look like the Angels are going to make it unless they can turn a corner and start doing it quickly. All right, we're running out of time in our second shortened podcast this week. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, at the Ryan Express, and we'll be sure to get back on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts next week. Once again, thank you all for listening. I am your host, Ryan Walker, signing off.